The Serpent's Shadow, Chapter 21 The Gods Are Sorted, My Feelings Are Not. Ah, my three favorite words. Carter, shut up. Zia really has come a long way since we first met. I think there's hope for her, even if she does fancy my brother. At any rate, Carter has wisely left the last bit of the story for me to tell. After the battle with Apophis, I felt horrible on many levels. Physically, I was knackered. Magically, I'd used up every last bit of my energy. I was afraid I might have permanently damaged myself, as I had a smoldering feeling behind my sternum that was either my external magic reservoir or very bad heartburn. Emotionally, I wasn't much better. I had watched Carter embrace Zia when she emerged from the steaming goo of the serpent, which was all very well, but it only reminded me of my own turmoil. Where was Walt? I decided to call him that, or I would drive myself crazy figuring out his identity. He had been standing nearby just after the battle. Now he was gone. Had he left with the other gods? I was already worried about Bess and Bast. It wasn't like them to disappear without saying goodbye. And I wasn't keen on what Ra had said about the gods leaving the earth for a while. You cannot push me away without pushing away the gods, Apophis had warned. The bloody serpent may have mentioned that before we execrated him. I had just made my peace with the whole Walt Nubis idea. Or mostly, at any rate. And now Walt had vanished. If he'd been declared off-limits again, I was going to crawl into a sarcophagus and never come out. While Carter was with Zia in the infirmary, I wandered the corridors of the first gnome, but found no sign of Walt. I tried to contact him with the Shen amulet. No answer. I even tried to contact Isis for advice, but the goddess had gone silent. I didn't like that. So, yes, I was quite distracted in the Hall of Ages during Carter's little acceptance speech. I'd like to thank all the little people for making me pharaoh, etc., etc. I was glad to visit the underworld and be reunited with my mom and dad. At least they weren't off limits. But I was quite disappointed not to find Walt there. Even if he wasn't allowed in the mortal world, shouldn't he be in the Hall of Judgment, taking over the duties of Anubis? That's when my mother pulled me aside. Not literally, of course. Being a ghost, she couldn't pull me anywhere. We stood on the left of the dais where the dead musicians played lively music. J.D. Grissom and his wife Anne smiled at me. They seemed happy, and I was glad for that. But I still had trouble seeing them without feeling guilty. My mom tugged at her necklace, a ghostly replica of my own tight amulet. Sadie, we've never gotten to talk much, you and I. Bit of an understatement, since she died when I was six. I understood what she meant, though. Even after our reunion last spring, she and I had never really chatted. Visiting her in the duot was rather hard, and ghosts don't have email or Skype or mobile phones. Even if they had had a proper internet connection, friending my dead mother on Facebook 
would have felt rather odd. I didn't say any of that. I just nodded. You've grown strong, Sadie, Mom said. You've had to be brave for so long. It must be hard for you to let your defenses down. You're afraid to lose any more people you care about. I felt lightheaded, as if I were turning into a ghost, too. Had I become see-through, like my mother? I wanted to argue and protest and joke. I didn't want to hear my mother's commentary, especially when it was so accurate. At the same time, I was so mixed up inside about Walt, so worried about what had happened to him, I wanted to break down and cry on my mother's shoulder. I wanted to hug her and have her tell me it was all right. Unfortunately, one can't cry on the shoulder of a ghost. I know, Mom said sadly, as if reading my thoughts. I wasn't there for you when you were small, and your father, well, he had to leave you with Gran and Gramps. They tried to provide you with a normal life, but you're so much more than normal, aren't you? And now here you are, a strong young woman. She sighed. I've missed so much of your life. I don't know if you'll ever even want my advice now. But for what it's worth, trust your feelings. I can't promise that you'll never get hurt again, but I can promise you the risk is worth it. I studied her face, unchanged since the day she died. Her wispy blonde hair, her blue eyes, the rather mischievous curve of her eyebrows. Many times I've been told that I looked like her. Now I could see it clearly. As I got older, it was quite striking how much our faces looked alike. Put some purple highlights in her hair, and Mum would have made an excellent Sadie's stunt double. You're talking about Walt, I said at last. This is a heart-to-heart chat about boys? Mum winced. Yes, well, I'm afraid I'm rubbish at this, but I had to try. When I was a girl, Gren wasn't much of a resource for me. I never felt I could talk to her. I should think not. I tried to imagine talking about guys with my grandmother while Gramps yelled at the telly and called for more tea and burnt biscuits. I think, I ventured, that mothers normally weren't against following one's heart, getting involved with the wrong sort of boy, getting a bad reputation, that sort of thing. Ah, Mom nodded contritely. Well, you see, I can't do that. I suppose I'm not worried about you doing the wrong thing, Sadie. I am worried that you might be afraid to trust someone, even the right someone. It's your heart, of course, not mine. But I'd say Walt is more nervous than you are. Don't be too hard on him. Hard on him? I almost laughed. I don't even know where he is, and he's hosting a god who... who, Whom you also like, Mom supplied. And that's confusing, yes. But they really are one person now. Anubis has so much in common with Walt. Neither has ever really had a real life to look forward to. Now, together, they do. You mean, 
the horrible burning sensation behind my sternum began to ease ever so slightly. You mean I will see him again? He's not exiled or whatever nonsense the gods are going on about. You'll see him, my mother affirmed, because they are one. Inhabiting a single mortal body, they may walk the earth, as the ancient Egyptian god kings did. Walt and Nubis are both good young men. They're both nervous and quite awkward in the mortal world and scared about how people will treat them. And they both feel the same way about you. I was probably blushing terribly. Carter stared at me from the top of the dais, no doubt wondering what was wrong. I didn't trust myself to meet his eyes. He was a bit too good at reading my expression. It's so bloody hard, I complained. Mother laughed softly. Yes, it is. But if it's any consolation, dealing with any man means dealing with multiple personalities. I glanced up at my father, who was flickering back and forth between Dr. Julius Kane and Osiris, the smurf blue god of the underworld. I take your point, I said. But where is Anubis? I mean, Walt. Ugh, there I go again. You'll see him soon, Mum promised. I wanted you to be prepared. My mind said, This is too confusing, too unfair. I can't handle a relationship like this. But my heart said, Shut up. Yes, I can. Thanks, Mum, I said, no doubt failing miserably to look calm and collected. This business with the gods pulling away, does that mean we won't see you and Dad as much? Probably, she admitted. But you know what to do. Keep teaching the path of the gods. Bring the house of life back to its former glory. You and Carter and Amos will make Egyptian magic stronger than ever. And that's good. Because your challenges are not over. Setney, I guessed. Yes, him, Mom said. But there are other challenges as well. I haven't completely lost the gift of prophecy, even in death. I see murky visions of other gods and rival magic. That really didn't sound good. What do you mean? I asked. What other gods? I don't know, Sadie. But Egypt has always faced challenges from outside. Magicians from elsewhere, even gods from elsewhere. Just be vigilant. Lovely, I muttered. I preferred talking about boys. Mother laughed. Once you return to the mortal world, there will be one more portal. Look for it tonight. Some old friends of yours would like a word. I had a feeling I knew what she meant. She touched a ghostly pendant around her neck, the tie-it, symbol of Isis. If you need me, Mum said, use your necklace. It will call to me, just as the Shen necklace calls to Walt. That would have been handy to know sooner. Our connection wasn't strong enough before. Now, I think it is. She kissed my forehead, though it felt like only a faint, cool breeze. 
I'm proud of you, Sadie. You have your whole life ahead of you. Make the most of it. That night at Brooklyn House, a swirling sand portal opened on the terrace, just as my mother had promised. That's for us, I said, getting up from the dinner table. Come on, brother dear. On the other side of the portal, we found ourselves at the beach by the lake of fire. Bast was waiting, tossing a ball of yarn from hand to hand. Her pure black bodysuit matched her hair. Her feline eyes danced in the red light of the waves. They're waiting for you, she pointed up the steps to the house of rest. We'll talk when you come back down. I didn't need to ask why she wasn't coming. I heard the melancholy in her voice. She and Towerette had never got along because of Bess. Obviously, Bess wanted to give the hippo goddess some space. But also, I wondered if my old friend was starting to realize that she'd let a good man get away. I kissed her on the cheek. Then Carter and I climbed the stairs. Inside the nursing home, the atmosphere was festive. Fresh flowers decorated the nurse's station. He kept the frog goddess walked upside down along the ceiling, hanging party streamers, while a group of elderly dog-headed gods danced and sang the Hokey Pokey. A very slow version, but still impressive. You put your walker in, you put your IV out, and so forth. The ancient lion-headed goddess, Mechit, was slow dancing with a tall male god. She purred loudly with her head on his shoulder. Carter, look, I said. Is that a nurse? Towerette answered, trotting over in her nurse's outfit. Mikit's husband. Isn't it wonderful? We were sure it faded ages ago. But when Bess called the old gods to war, a nurse came trotting out of a supply closet. Many others appeared, too. They were finally needed, you see. The war gave them a reason to exist. The hippo goddess crushed us in an enthusiastic hug. Oh, my dears, just look how happy everyone is. You've given them new life. I don't see as many as before, Carter noticed. Some went back to the heavens, Towerette said, or off to their old temples and palaces. And of course, your dear father, Osiris, took the judgment gods back to his throne room. Seeing the old gods so happy warmed my heart, but I still felt a twinge of worry. Will they stay this way? I mean, they won't fade again? Towerette spread her stubby hands. I suppose that depends on you mortals. If you remember them and make them feel important, they should be fine. But come, you'll want to see Bess. He sat in his usual chair, staring blankly out the window at the lake of fire. The scene was so familiar, I'd feared he'd lost his run again. Is he all right? I cried, running up to him. What's wrong with him? Best turn, looking startled. Besides being ugly? Nothing, kid. I was just thinking. Sorry. He rose, as much as a dwarf can, and hugged us both. Glad you kids could make it, Bess said. You know, Towerette and I are going to build a home on the lakeside. I've gotten used to this view. 
She'll keep working at the House of Rest. I'll be a house dwarf for a while. Who knows? Maybe I'll get some little dwarf hippo babies to look after. Oh, Bass? Towerette blushed fiercely and battered her hippo eyelids. The dwarf god chuckled. Yeah, life is good. But if you kids need me, just holler. I've always had more luck coming to the mortals, the mortal world, than most gods. Carter scowled fretfully. Do you think we'll need you a lot? I mean, of course we want to see you. I, I just wondered. Bess grunted. Hey, I'm an ugly dwarf. I've got a sweet car, an excellent wardrobe, and amazing powers. Why wouldn't you need me? Good point, Carter agreed. But uh, don't call too often, Beth said. After all, my honeycakes and I got a few millennia of quality time to catch up on. He took Towerette's hand, and for once, I didn't find the name of this place, Sunny Acres, quite so depressing. Thank you for everything, Bess, I said. Are you kidding? He said. You gave me back my life. And I don't just mean my shadow. I got the distinct feeling the two gods wanted some time by themselves. So we said our goodbyes and headed down to the steps to the lake. The white sand portal was still swirling. Bass stood next to it, engrossed in her ball of yarn. She laced it between her fingers to make a rectangle like a cat's cradle. No, I didn't mean that as a pun, but it did seem appropriate. Having fun? I asked. Thought you'd want to see this. She held up the cat's cradle. A video image flickered across its surface like on a computer screen. I saw the Hall of the Gods with its soaring columns and polished floors, its braziers burning with a hundred multicolored fires. On the central dais, the sunboat had been replaced with a golden throne. Horace sat there in his human form, a bald, muscular teen in full battle armor. He held a crook and flail across his lap, and his eyes gleamed, one silver, one gold. At his right stood Isis, smiling proudly, her rainbow wings shimmering. On his left stood Seth, the red-skinned chaos god with his iron staff, he looked quite amused, as if he had all sorts of wicked things planned for later. The other gods knelt as Horus addressed them. I scanned the crowd for Anubis, with or without Walt, but again, I didn't see him. I couldn't hear the words, but I reckoned it was a similar speech to the one Carter had delivered to the House of Life. He's doing the same thing I did, Carter protested, but even stole my speech. That copycat. Bass clucked disapprovingly. No need to call names, Carter. Cats are not copiers. We're all unique. But, yes, what you do as Pharaoh in the mortal world will often be mirrored in the world of the gods. Horus and you, after all, ruled the forces of Egypt. That, I said, is truly a scary thought. Carter swatted me lightly on the arm. I just can't believe Horace left without even a goodbye. It's as if he 
tossed me aside as soon as he was done using me, then forgot about me. Oh no, Bass said. Gods wouldn't do that. He simply had to leave. But I wondered. Gods were rather selfish creatures, even those who weren't cats. Isis hadn't given me a proper goodbye or thank you either. Bast, you're coming with us, aren't you? I pleaded. I mean, this silly exile can't apply to you. We need our nap instructor at Brooklyn House. Bass wadded up her ball of yarn and tossed it down the steps. Her expression was quite sad for a feline. Oh, my kittens. If I could, I would pick you up by the scruff of your necks and carry you forever. But you've grown. Your claws are sharp, your eyesight is keen, and cats must make their own way in the world. I must say farewell for now, though I'm sure we'll meet again. I wanted to protest that I hadn't grown up and I didn't even have claws. Carter disagrees, but what does he know? But part of me knew Bast was right. We'd been lucky to have her with us for so long. Now we had to be adult cats, or humans. Oh, Muffin. I hugged her fiercely and could feel her purring. She ruffled my hair. Then she rubbed Carter's ears, which was quite funny. Go on now, she said, before I start to mule. Besides, she fixed her eyes on the ball of yarn, which had rolled to the bottom of the steps. She crouched and tensed her shoulders. I have some hunting to do. We'll miss you best, I said, trying not to cry. Good hunting. Yarn, she said absently, creeping down the steps. Dangerous prey, yarn. Carter and I stepped through the portal. This time, it deposited us onto the roof of Brooklyn House. We had one more surprise. Standing by Freak's roost, Walt was waiting. He smiled when he saw me, and my legs felt wobbly. I'll, um, be inside, Carter said. Walt walked over, and I tried to remember how to breathe.